the Incomparable Podcast, episode 114, October 2012. We're back on the Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and we are doing a Flash podcast. Uh, this time, news has has broken uh, on, as we record this, October 30th, that uh, I was absolutely shocked by. It, it blew me away. I actually had to do some research um, because I didn't believe what I was seeing. I, I did various internet searches. Is this a reputable website that's posting this thing? And it turns out that today, as we record this, uh, the Walt Disney Company purchased Lucasfilm and all of its assets, including Star Wars, for $4 billion. Um, and at the same time, they announced that uh, a new Star Wars sequel trilogy is in the works to begin with an episode seven I cannot believe I'm saying this. <laughs> to be, oh, this is, I, gonna, I was going to swear. To be, re- to be released in 2015. Joining me to chew on what all this means are people who are interested in Star Wars. Serenity Caldwell <laughs> joins us from a closet in Massachusetts that hiding from a, a hurricane. Hi. That's not true. It's impossible. <laughs> Hi. Also, Dan Morin. Hi. No disintegrations. <laughs> And John, I mean, John Syracuse. Search your feelings, et cetera. Oh, thank you. And Ben Boychuk. I know it's a little early, but I just want to say happy life day, everybody. <laughs> no. This podcast is over. Already it's over. Oh, it was over this morning. So, I, you know, I don't even, I'm flabbergasted at this news. Uh, I, I, I have mixed emotions. I, I, I didn't see it coming. I, I, I actually figured that George Lucas would keep a stranglehold on Star Wars until he died, Die. basically. Yeah. And, 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 or was killed. Or, yes. Well, that would lead to, he would be, de- he would die <laughs> if he was killed. Or was convicted in The People versus George Lucas. That's right. I'm still waiting for the verdict. Yeah, but not I think convicted to the death penalty. Oh. I don't know. You know, I wasn't so surprised that the acquisition happened. And in fact, Dan was the person who told me about it. And when, when I first Jason looked at the, the press release. Oh, well, it's going around in a circle. So I Jason, you told me through osmosis. Mm. Um, I, when I looked at it originally, I'm like, no, you know what? This makes a lot of sense because Disney and Lucasfilm have long been integrated. What with the Disney parks and everything else. Um, and George Lucas has been mentioning and rumbling for a couple years now that, oh, he's tired of making films and he's tired of the community and he really doesn't want to be a part of it anymore and he wants to retire. So I'm like, all right, you know, I, I can see it. I can see him selling. I can see him retiring. And then I saw the new Star Wars movie in 2015. And that's when my mind exploded. Yeah, I pasted that into an I am to Dan. And uh, he said something like, "What is this? <laughs> like, like he was? Is this some sort of funny joke about this? No, it's not. It's, it's not even very funny." For I spent joke. all day saying, like, all afternoon, going, "What? What is happening? What is going on right now? I don't understand. It's very confusing. Part of me it feels is very like, confusing. you know." I, I remember hearing when I was younger, you know, like a teenager about like all the, oh, yeah, someday he's going to make 789 after he makes the prequels, blah, 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 blah. And it always seemed like, you know, forever, you know, that was that was just something in the distant future. And then he later on, the older I got, he denied. He's like, no, I'm never going to make those. They're done. And, you know, we got we got lulled into a false sense of security. It's a trap. 
I heard those same stories about seven, eight, yeah, nine. Me too. I was a kid, which was far, you know, the old people. That, yeah, yeah. That's that's just been around forever. It's like, you know, right after Jedi, do you know they're gonna make one, two, and three, and then seven, eight, and nine, and there's a lava pit and like just the whole nine yards. <laughs> that's we just, you know, that I don't know. I I think it's this, all true, this, John. It's all turned true. No, it can't be true. But, but it's, it's, it's like a mu- but it's like a monkey paw story where like you get what you wish for, but but it's like it's a terrible shambling. Worst like they made one, two, imagined. three, and we're like, no monkey paw, please, no more. I I mean, Lucas himself said, I feel like there was an interview four or five years ago where he was like, oh no, I'm never going to do seven, eight, and nine because the extended universe, all of the novels and the video games and everything else, have already touched on that, and I'm content playing in my one through six, you know, sandbox of terror and destruction uh i honestly when they said oh we're going to make episode seven my first thought beyond wtf was what on earth is it going to be about the unless they recast it they're either going to ape storylines from the extended universe or they're going to do something else and decanonize the entire extended universe yep. but they can't possibly use the same actors right well, I mean, so there, there's a story now. There's a story on StarWars.com, uh, by, by I think some sort of uh, archivist who said that at one point, um, uh, Mark Hamill was having a conversation. I think when they were shooting Empire with George Lucas, and George said, "Yeah, I'm going to do one, two, and three after a break, and then I'm going to do I'm going to do seven, eight, and nine. And, and and you, so I might need you to be in episode seven. And Mark Hamill said, "When would that be?" And he said, you know, like 2011, something like that. And I'm <laughs> those, starting those to think, stories always popped up. Mm. Yeah, I know, I know, but they were all ridiculous. And 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 Lucas was always like, well, I'm going to retire. You know, I, I, I'm not going to do any more of those. And it turns out it was actually I'm going to sell the company to a big movie studio, and I'm going to let my uh, Ka- what Kathleen Kennedy, right, the, his old producer, right. yeah. is in, she's in charge, and you guys make whatever you want. I'm out of here. I got four billion bucks. Bye. That's that's the thing. That's what makes this. My initial thought was was the same as everybody else's. My initial thought was capital N, capital O, no. But then <laughs> I stopped and th- several capital O's after that, right? Yes. No! Yeah. Well, yeah, there was that. Yeah. No, I really thought you know, and I episode seven, and I thought I don't think they've made or could possibly make enough Prozac. To, to make this right with me. But then I got to thinking about it, and I started reading a little bit, and I read the press releases and started reading some of the news stories, and then I realized, wait a minute. Lucas isn't going to write and direct this thing. Right. Right. The well, sun comes out. out. Well, yeah. okay. I, mean, I can almost live with I can almost well, well, live with that. Well, think Guys, about this. We've, uh, we've already hit rock bottom, right? Like, there's no yeah, place to hope, go. You hope... So that you, no, I think yeah, we. So I mean, think. they're pretty bad. I mean, I think we all agree. Like the well, level. Here, here's of here's this the thing case. to think about because uh, Scott McNulty was in the chat room, right? And no, Heck I, did, I as, deny as, it as he deny. does. Right? This is the cautionary tale. Everybody in all the calls that saying we're going to release one new Star Wars movie every two to three years. Think about Star Trek. One new movie every two to three years. What does that mean? Forever. Until we get Star Trek Five, is that what has to happen? Is that do you understand? Do in the, you see in the words how this can play out in the words of the immortal um, uh, Phil Hartman from The Simpsons. Until the series becomes unprofitable, I, but what I'm saying is like well, they seven, the fine, eight, they seven, eight, nine, fine. But just if they just keep okay, going. Yeah, eventually, you get you know the undiscovered country. Like it just happened. You know what I mean? You can't avoid it. 
And so that's the nightmare scenario. It's way out in our future, but hopefully by then we will be totally detached from this and we will just be looking at it as if we're floating above our own bodies. <laughs> well, seeing, at the least, you know what? Wait, are we, like... are we blue outlined ghosts? Is that what we are in this scenario? Oh, if no, only, if only. We don't have, we've, yeah, we've been replaced with our actors. younger actress. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, they said specifically, I, I listened to the financial call along with Dan and Jason, which yes. is interesting. Worst uh, Apple results call ever. Oh, <laughs> it was awful. They made $4 billion. Uh, they, What's wrong? They said very specifically that they were going to do 789 as a trilogy, and then they were basically going to mine the Star Wars universe for other live-action stories. So we're not necessarily sticking with the same characters, presuming that we're sticking with the same characters to begin with for 789. And I mean, I could see really interesting little stories. As 2021, as to... the Boba Fett movie. Yeah. You know what? I would watch a Boba Fett movie. I would I'm watch a Bounty the, Hunter the movie. The IG-88 movie. Yeah, well, exactly. I, but I, I, I would mean, watch I, a movie. I would watch a kids movie with R2-D2 and C-3PO palling around. Like, so, I, I would genuinely enjoy that if it were well written. So I have a question, which is we, we listened to a little bit and they talked a little bit about some of the right stuff is is still, you know, tied up. There are some production like deals, you know, for example, the same reason they don't have Indiana Jones is because they're they got some deals with with Paramount. Now, some of the it sounds like the originals are all tied up with Fox, right? So right. my question is whether or not, you know, does George Lucas still have enough pull there to prevent ever the release of the remastered original I don't think so. versions? I, I think all is on the table. I, I think it's entirely possible that if. Uh, Disney and and Fox felt that there was a market for you know a Blu-ray restored version of Star Wars. I bet I bet they I bet they would do it. I bet they could do it. I don't know if they'll decide that it's worth it to do it. You know, it's money. Disney well, land of oh, the you know Disney. Oh, come on. they would it's make money it. on that. that. That's that's the dream. So like the upside yeah. of this announcement is one: George Lucas has no involvement, doesn't write it, doesn't do anything terrible. He's, and two, a, he's we, a creative consultant, John. Right, well, yeah, which well, I, I read as being that he's got his notes about what seven, eight, and nine would have been from like nineteen seventy four. Yeah, and that's then, great, George. And All he right. handed those over and said, those. "Out of here." Yeah, that's fine. Rough outline. George is like, was more you know, or less a creative consultant in Empire, and looked how that turned out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, there's a guy, Luke Skywalker, his father's Darth Vader. You don't find that out until the middle movie, then he's redeemed. All right, no, thanks. You did oh, your work. Now we'll take it from the here. The only thing that makes me really hopeful is that Star Tours is perhaps one of my favorite rides of all time um, in the Disney universe. And that script is incredibly well written, even the new version, which has prequel scenes. So I am, you know, going in there biased to hate it was really clever, really well done. They know how to handle the material. And so you've already seen what a collaboration between Lucasfilm and Disney will work out so I'm, I'm curious to see if they can actually you know do and, that but and as still, and as jason cool. said you've seen how the 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 like the collaboration between say disney and marvel which is also owned by disney worked out you know we've gotten a whole That's bunch of marvel uneven. movies some some uneven yeah but like the point is that they they do try to bring in people compared you know, to before daredevil daredevil <laughs> yeah well you know pe- people I mean, even talk about how well that they handle marvel and how much better the marvel how much better uh the, they're, they're a lot better than they were for a while than they do with the dc license but think of it this way i would rather have the dc treatment where you pick one crazy obsessed you know auteur to do your movies for your one flagship guy you get christopher Nolan and you give him three movies and maybe he messes up the third but i would much rather see that treatment than the marvel treatment which is like everybody gets a property you get a property you get a <laughs> the, property make the your Nolan movies thing was one a of them 
the Nolan good. thing's a fluke, though, because if you look at now, they're trying to start talking about like Justice League and all that because know, they saw they weren't making any money on it. Pick, pick a director, give him three movies, let him do a Christopher Nolan on Star Wars. That's okay. the only chance we have to get. So, I mean, movie. you could argue that that was what George Lucas did to Star Wars in the first place. So our 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 buddy. Uh, our buddy John Gruber asked this question, and I thought it was interesting. Speaking of directors, which is what director would you love? What is your dream uh, decision to direct Star Wars? Again, I can't believe I'm saying the Star Wars uh, Episode Seven. Are we doing Living or Dead, or is that the no, no, no? Like re- reality. <laughs> this isn't like fantasy. This is catch. reality, dude. Orson Welles. Orson Welles. I draft Irving Kershner. Alfred Hitchcock, Star Wars. Oh, you know what? I would watch Woody Allen do a George. A oh, you beat me to it. Damn it. <laughs> beat me to it. Gotta put that one in. Oh. You ever seen a neurotic Han Solo? Let me tell you. Woody Allen, I mean, I gotta Star go, Wars. You know, I think, I think, you know, obviously Joss Whedon's been bandied about a lot. I, my worry with Joss Whedon is I think Joss Whedon is smart enough to know, like, that's just a freaking. He's got enough. Or, he's got enough he, franchises. I feel like he's, he's not. He's not a good fit. I don't think. And like, he's wor- He's working on. He, he's basically down the Marvel path now, right? So he's on a franchise. J.J. Abrams, who I think wouldn't be a great fit at this point, because again, he's got a franchise. He's on the franchise. He's he's. Well, yeah, those, those guys are kicking themselves now. Like, right. what is I know we can add Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh. Hey Dan, who's the guy who does Middleman? Javi. Yeah. I don't know. He doesn't. He probably doesn't have the credit. He's to not do a, a full. Well, he's just a. I mean, he's just a writer, really. He's not a. Yeah. Director, but I mean, I'm. I'm just one. I mean, let's see. Gruber was on the David Fincher train. Fincher. I like Fincher, but I don't think Fincher's. I don't think the Fincher's is, the right. I, I think the, the director doesn't matter as much as the script does because the script yes. determines like what kind of movie is this? Is is this a dumb kids movie or is it like you know a really smart like that? The script is what really, and then all you need is is the right director to. A not screw up the script and B maybe enhance it, but it all depends on that script. Because if you give if you give like a not so great script to anybody, it's just going to be eh, whatever. You know, it's got to be a great script. So I think the I writer mean, is saw, much. Yeah, I mean, we saw what Sam Raimi did with Spider Man Three. Yeah, I mean, like there's nothing well, you can do. So, like you're all your, you use all your skills and all your powers, and it's like look what I got to work with here. Like it's just no good. You know, it's like. And, that's what in the Empire podcast, the thing that, that elevates that is that the script is just so much better. And then, of course, yes, everything executes on all cylinders, too. But if you don't have a great script, the, the director, there's nothing they can do about it. They can't rewrite the movie themselves. Like, yeah, they shouldn't. But the director can be the, can be the boss of the movie and can exert some creative control and get things to be, you know, get things to come in line. Yeah. Right? That's what I'm saying, like the Nolan thing, like where he was just, that's, that was his crazy project and he's going to reboot Batman. He was totally serious about it. I'm sure he controlled every aspect of that thing. And if he wasn't happy with the script, you know, it would go around in circles until he got what he wanted. And, you know, because Batman Begins wasn't just a good Batman movie. It had a good script. Yeah, it was not, a good not movie, Empire yeah. Back level script, but that's, that's what we need. So I want, I want to know who the writer is and I want them to take it seriously and write it like... I don't want to say Lord of the Rings, but like that's not that's cheating. They already Some, had somebody still, let you know. somebody hand Wes Anderson one hundred and fifty million dollars for this thing. Oh, Let's get this done. Oh gosh, Rush. <laughs> Let's get it done. Rush, right. Star Wars Academy with uh, Bill Murray as the headmaster and uh, <laughs> the uh, so <laughs> my kids. So somebody uh, Gruber also mentioned Brad Bird, uh, who directed The Incredibles and uh, did the Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which was actually yeah, pretty good. 
It was fine, but was the script to, to Ghost Protocol all that awesome? I didn't yeah. think it was. I, mm-hmm. I think his the movie making was excellent, top notch movie making, but the script was like meh. Like for He's, example, I I, I liked uh, the Bourne movies better than Ghost Protocol, and it's not because right. the Bourne movies better made movies. It's because the stories were better, the script was better. Right, but although Bird um, has some good writing credentials, just not that not that movie. Well, but, but he didn't he didn't write that. Though, yeah, he? but he but you know The Incredibles mm-hmm. and Ratatouille. That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. Like when you give the guy, when you let the guy be in charge, like because that wasn't, you know, he was Iron directing Giant. the next Mission Impossible movie. It wasn't the next Brad Bird movie. Right. Iron Giant was a Brad Bird yeah. movie, you know. So, so yeah, my, I would love to see a Brad Bird Star Wars. My uh, my nomination is Duncan Jones, who directed Moon and uh, Source Code. That's my that's my dark horse pick. Good good you director. Like, like that? Yep, good Maybe. director. Bad good, movie. Good director. Good movie. But we're not here to talk about source code. But I think I think he gets the genre and is a and is a very interesting director and would be an interesting choice. I feel like the director for a movie like this, unless they get some, I mean, I, I was going to say unless they get some random person. But actually, if you look at the way the Harry Potter directors have been selected, it has been a random cross section of well known directors and completely like unknown directors, like David Yates, who. Uh, directed TV miniseries, directed State of Play, right, and on the BBC. And well, you you, you can go the other way, too. So. What about, like, Spielberg? <laughs> he really, I, I just, I don't think he... Spielberg can't be allowed I don't think he'd do it. I don't think he wants to do it. I don't think he wants to do it either, but it would be, it would be interesting. What yeah. if he directed uh, it 30 years? <laughs> he's, he's, gone, he's gone too soft to do what I want. <laughs> Spielberg is too soft. Support. Yeah, after Schindler's List, man, he's just... No, oh, he's just not—he's just not hungry. I feel like he would—I feel like he would make it no, into he's a kid's movie. He's Jesus you know, Lucas. He's, he would be he's like, the middle has age to be shiny. Director. The Empire the of the young. Crystal Skull. Oh dear. Yeah. No, that's, that's you another. What those two old men made Crystal Skull. Look what happened. You yeah. can't. Those guys are out. You got. It's got to be young. I think we. I mean, all the people we've been naming will say like, doesn't it have to be someone younger, someone hungry. Well, my, well, my worry is that it goes to a studio him. director and like, you know, there's like, hey, yeah. you know, we need we need to find somebody who's just going to basically do it. We don't want to screw this up. So we want to find somebody who's going to do what we tell them to do. And I think that would be the most disastrous thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they took a chance on Joss Whedon for Avengers and it turned out really well for them. So maybe they have learned positively from that experience. Uh, they don't learn. Live and don't learn. Now, as you know, say. I. I would love to see, and it will never happen, but I would love to see Ryan Johnson take a whack at it just because I think he has a really yeah. interesting view of movie cinema and the world. But Who was he? Cool. What did he do? Looper. Uh, Ryan Johnson did Looper. He did Brothers Blue. Oh, that guy. Yeah, no, I've, still, I've been avoiding that and the podcast with him on it because I'd want to stay spoiler free. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, he he is has a very good idea of how sci-fi works and works I feel very, very well with complicated plots and good dialogue. So, you know, well, and, it could be work. And it's, you know, it's interesting given obviously how many directors who are around, you know, especially younger directors and at this point are the ones who cite Star Wars as such a major influence on their life, right? You know, so it is weird to think that, you know, you might get a chance to to touch something that that is that influential. Uh, and I can see that being, you know, there being a lot of trepidation around that. Um, but I hope somebody, I hope they find somebody good who's going to, who's not going to make a terrible mess of it. But well, you read JJ the script. That chance with uh, Star Trek, right? J.J. had the stance, but but I felt like J.J. Abrams' Star Trek scenario, like, I like that movie, but it kind of has the thing of like, they let him direct their next Star Wars movie, but it wasn't, it, when you watch it, it wasn't like, this looks like a J.J. Abrams story. Like he didn't, 
that's I don't want that to happen. I, like that was the what was it Ren was saying that the studio is just going to want to have control and like give it to you and don't screw it up, but you don't really get much influence because the the Star Wars the Star Trek reboot that wasn't a J.J. Abrams story. It just didn't seem like it to me. Or if if it was, he was cowed by whatever it is they wanted. Well, he, he did his directing job on it, but like I want someone to really put their fingerprint on it. Oh, uh, right. I don't agree. I don't think I agree with that. I mean, those are those are his those are his guys who wrote it, and and it it felt Abramsy to me. Other than the fact that it didn't start with a flash forward and then say you know three days earlier and then tell the actual story. That's the big Abrams part that was missing. From I, I think it. maybe he felt like an obligation to uh, to I don't know what you would call it to like to make it dance the dance of Star Trek. Yes. like sort of oh, inhabiting the body of you know and and that. Well, and, yet, and, yet I, and, and yet it's incredibly Star Wars like as a movie. Well, right? he didn't he didn't oh, write no. it, and he had his he guys. Good. He had his guys who love Star Trek write the script, and then he and yeah, and then he he tried to make it good, and they it, it's an interesting compromise. You're right, but and the Joss Whedon thing maybe you know an interesting example of somebody who's been given and before Whedon, you know, if you think of these things as not as single movies, but as you know they are franchises, but they're also almost like TV shows in that there's a there's a, a a through line for the plot, and we're talking about three movies, not just a single movie. And with the Marvel movies, first you had John Favreau kind of shepherding it from the original Iron Man movie up to the Avengers, and he basically did a a baton pass to Joss Whedon, who's sort of you know basically the creative director uh, working with the studio. But you, you get the in, sense that he is shaping the storylines for all of these movies for the next cycle and so that that's an interesting question would they you know who's going to be the driving force is it going to be you know uh kennedy and the people at at lucasfilm corporate with a sort of like random collection of writers and directors or is there going to be somebody who is brought in and said you know we really do want you to be the creative force that's driving it and i'm a little skeptical well, what about, I mean, you know, there have been some very, very fine uh, science fiction movies over the past. I mean, who was the guy who, um, what was the name of the guy who directed District 9? I've been searching for it and I couldn't. Oh, uh, Blomkamp. 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 Yeah, Neil yeah. Blomkamp. Who was, directed, who was originally supposed to direct a Halo movie that never happened. Yeah, he would have fit with Halo, but I can't imagine like really gross aliens and, you know, District 9 meet Star well, Wars. Yeah, but I mean, it's hard to judge him on just the basis of one movie, too. Yeah, that, yeah that's I mean, that's true. You know, these are... Like, these I mean, are look at Peter guys. Jackson these are, and... These guys who have uh, done interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah Peter Jackson is an interesting example because you had, like, uh, you know, Dead Alive and uh, Heavenly Creatures. Heavenly Creatures, yeah. And you're like, who is this guy? Splatter <laughs> Horror? And then <laughs> Heavenly Creatures, and then he gets Lord of the Rings, and you don't know what the heck to expect. And, and you skipped you skipped a couple really cre- like really weird movies in there too. I, I was I was yeah. doing the, I was doing the end reason. points. Yeah, the Frighteners, meet the meet people, the come on. Yeah. Yeah. And the Frighteners is like that was just mediocre and just not good at all. It wasn't like I'd rather you know the other polls, but you don't know what to expect. Now. And he gets the Lord of the Rings franchise, and you, everyone's nervous about it. But he ended up being pretty conservative right. with his treatment of uh, Lord of the Rings. So with the uh, Neil, whose name I won't try to pronounce, of District 9 fame, yeah, we don't really know what he would do if given, like, I would have liked to see him get the Halo franchise, because I think that would be a good fit, but that blew up. But Jackson, again, is an example of a guy who's a, a director, who is a was a somewhat accomplished director, but also a writer with a you know with Philip Boyens the sort of writing team for for Lord of the Rings and and you know that's the question is do you do you have somebody like that who can do both those things and can really guide it through or do you you know have it be a very be a studio team. studio system kind of we've got a script and now we'll hire a director 
you know yeah i don't i don't know we should say well, that there's there's other there's other stuff going on in the background here too cuz they've been developing a star wars tv series in the background for, for years, a while yeah. and i don't know if that's going to keep going i would well, assume they, they it would. did mention during the call today that they're like they saw that as an opportunity right like television right. is a huge market and, and they're, they're going to well, do animation like they've been well, doing they've been with doing clone animation wars, right? for a long time right clone wars yeah. has been around for several years now right but i i don't know it's interesting because now that you've separated the property from the person who's created it right and I think it, you know, all bets are off in terms of like, yeah, you don't really necessarily need like an all, a single author to do it. I think you could get away with someone writing a good script and someone, you know, a, a solid director. But I think it, it, they do have to be a team. I mean, you know, Nolan doesn't necessarily write all the scripts for the Batman movies. He works on them, but so does his brother, I believe. Um, you know, I think there's, I think there's an element of that. I would love to see some of the. Uh, I mean, there are some great writers out there, not just in Hollywood, but in like, you know, comic book land. I don't know why Brian K, Brian K. Vaughn's ma- name popped to mind, but thought about someone like him as a as an interesting example of the kind of writers they could attract to this yeah i mean the one danger that i worry about is star wars is a definitive point of many people's childhoods and many current artists where they kind of got their their sci-fi fantasy bug and i do worry about the being so reverential to the treatment that it you know, overloads the movie and we're just getting nothing but references and things like that. I mean, I think we kind of got a taste with that in the prequels and and all of the other sort of reboots that have been going on in the last 10 years. But that said, they've really got to be careful to make sure to get somebody who, you know, can, knows the material and can work with the material, but isn't going to be slavishly, you know, in love with it and, uh, devoted to trying to make everything you know you don't want to do what lucas would do so yeah, well it's a definitely it's, it's, it's a fine line of jobs think about what lucas would <laughs> yeah, do, exactly. do that. yeah is this if steve jobs are still alive <laughs> is this so is is this i mean on balance do you do you think this is a good this is good news or bad news that that because because we've got george lucas kind of stepping away which gives this franchise an opportunity to not be encumbered by all of these issues that people have with George Lucas and his bad writing and his strange ideas. Um, but at the same time, they're making more star Wars movies and that's scary because they, who knows what they'll be. So on balance is this, you know, is this news today good or bad? Do you, what do you, I, I what think, do you think? I think there's a, there's an extremely cynical part of me that was like, you know, hearing about this story going like, what, what are they doing? But I, I got to admit, I was feeling a little bit giddy all afternoon after I heard this. I don't I don't know why. Like, again, all all prior evidence suggests I should not feel excited about this. And yet there was a part of me that like was that 16 year old again who was going, oh, my God, they're going to make more Star Wars movies. That's awesome. (laughs) So I, I don't know. I mean, it's I should I should be wary of getting burned again. But I find it hard to believe that I won't be there on opening night. I think it's universally positive because uh, the prequels really just like severed any relationship I had like that. That was that that was the cutoff point that isolated my the three Star Wars movies from the rest of the universe. And now I'm just so happy to have as many other people have said, they just like I always assumed I had to wait for George Lucas to die before this would happen. I want someone else to be able to do stuff in this universe. And I have no attachment. Like, it's not like the Phantom Menace. Like, I'm. 
I'm totally psyched for new movies. Not because I'm not attached. I'm not like, oh man, this is going to be, I know it's not going to be the best movie ever. Like I'm bargaining at this point. Like I hope it's at least as good as J.J. Abrams Star Trek and it won't lessen the other movies to me or anything like that. Like it's just, it's totally divorced and totally separate, but there are so many possibilities. And of course, the other one that I'm excited about is the possibility of having, you know, the Blu-ray version of the theatrical the releases yeah. put out. Right. But, but, but who, like the, the Star Trek is the doomsday scenario where they just make movie after movie and then it just become increasingly terrible and it just becomes a mess. But so fine. Like if you really want to do that, it's kind of disappointing, but I'm not, I'm not attached to it anymore like that. I've, I've, that there's that, there's a Chinese wall between the three Star Wars movies and then anything else. It's like expanded universe. I don't get annoyed about crazy stuff happening in expanded universe. I have no idea what's going on in those books. I don't read them. They don't bother me. Uh, it was because like the prequels were like going to be canonical by the same guy, part of the same, you know, like it, that's why they were so heartbreaking. And because we had to wait, I don't know how many years it was, but it was a long time. Was it longer than Dan was alive? It was a long time. We waited a long time. Hey, so and that was, that was the most crushing entertainment blow of all of our lives. And nothing can compare to that. So now, now I'm all like thumbs up. I hope you don't make a stinker, but if you do, I go, Oh yeah, they screwed it up. Try again. So right. I, I want to use Star, Star Trek again as an example that I think might be encouraging, John, which is, um, so they made the original Star Trek, mo- the motion picture, and Gene Roddenberry was heavily involved, and it was a stinker, and the studio basically kicked him out of all creative control over Star Trek Two and future movies there, and they went on a bit of a uh, creative success at that point. Roddenberry was involved with Star Trek The Next Generation at the beginning, and they basically kicked him out of control by the end of the second season, which was when that show became noticeably better. So I, I think there's something to be said there's some precedent here for uh, having the creator step back and having, you know, a- any any enterprise uh, that that is creative and has continuity like this. After a while, you know, it's the same people telling the same stories, and you need a break and you need a new perspective. And Star you don't Wars need to sell me on, on getting yeah. rid of Lucas. Like, yeah, so oh, Star- he, was, he needed to go. So yeah. I, I'm I'm really encouraged about that because Star Wars now has the opportunity to have that creative refresh. And like you said, there are so many people who are are not just and not just like twenty year olds, but people from twenty to fifty who grew up loving Star Wars who are incredibly talented writers. I mean, I'll, I'll use Doctor Who as an example, too. When they brought Doctor Who back, it was all the people who were professional TV writers who loved it when they were kids. And we, that, the, the movie industry is full of people who love Star Wars. So you would think they have their choice of incredible talent to rethink and move forward with this franchise. And, you know, that's so exciting because, I, like you, John, I thought that this was something that, you know, when George Lucas died, somebody would say, OK, we can release those original movies now. <laughs> well, the whole thing is they were going to redo uh, episodes four, five, and six. Like that will still happen eventually if we all live long enough. Someone will do the reboot uh, of uh, right. New Hope, Empire, and Jedi. Like, and that will kind and of be sad. And we'll, we'll and they'll be all really be done old. in Chinese. Yeah, so. <laughs> probably. But we'll be, you know, that's, well, it'll be a Firefly crossover. You know, all the cursing will be in Chinese. <laughs> that's good. Well, I mean, if we can extrapolate from this, then we can determine that Firefly will get remade sometime in the next 20 to 30 years, right? Sure. But th- Entirely this, Chinese. what's different, I think, is that by doing this um, and trying to do episode seven, eight, nine, they're actually trying to lock in the original series. Because I felt yeah. like if, if you go if you go long enough, because what they'll do is they'll introduce new characters that are young and exciting, but are the children and grandchildren and related to the characters from that. Instead, uh, instead of 
Well, I mean, the alternative is to just remake them, right? I mean, I, I think that's it's an interesting choice that that and again to go down the star trek path they do that for a while and everybody's too old and it's too tired and then somebody comes in and just says let's just go back to the beginning and do it again but i don't think they're there i think they want to extend this universe do people who love the um love the 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 extended universe books and all that feel uh feel fear about uh, this being kind of crushing them out of existence i don't know well i think there's a way to balance it it just depends on how – I mean, they mentioned in the conference call that they got a pretty detailed treatment of 7, 8, and 9. And granted, God knows how, how much of that they'll actually use. Uh, but the question is how influenced that is with the extended universe. And the extended universe has always been kind of meta canon anyway. I would love to see – I would love out of my mind to see um, Tim Zan's Thrawn trilogy as 7, 8, and 9. I think that would be amazing. I think it probably won't happen unless happen. they recast the actors. But, you know, seeing Mara Jade on, st- on screen would be pretty awesome from a, you know, from a lifelong fan perspective. But uh, I don't know. It's, I don't think it will diminish the extended universe. I mean, people, there are always, I mean, there were, there were diaries and extended books written for the prequels. So clearly there's going to, like, that, that universe is still going to exist. And I doubt 7, 8, and 9 will write it out of existence. Let, let, let's, not, let's not put the extended universe up on a, on, a, on a pedestal. I mean, they drove that pretty hard into the ground, too, at a certain point. Um, so, you know, I think there's some things that are good in the extended universe. I, I also like Tim Zahn's trilogy. Um, the first one, the rest of the stuff he wrote was mediocre at best. Right. Um, but at I kinda, this point, I kind of like the original Dark Empire comic. Like, there's some good stuff in right. there. It's just, but it's mixed in with a lot of stuff that is not good. At this and, point, and I read it would for, be for many, many years. I read almost all of it. <laughs> at this point, all that time, you know, would be over, right? I mean, because because of the difference in time, unless they recast, which I don't think they would do, they're going to say, like with the first trilogy, you know, this this takes place thirty years, twenty years, probably. It'll take place exactly as many years as it's been <laughs> since we well, they, saw they, the original you, trilogy, right? Yeah, well, in the notes on the on the Star Wars site, they say, like, oh, there's about 20 years between trilogies, which, you know, unfortunately, yeah, the actors have all aged out of that, right? Because as we put out Harrison it's be 30 Ford, it's like years, 70. Yeah. yeah, and it's, well, it's more than that because, you know, Harrison Ford was like 27 when well, they made the first one. Well, right? no, I'm, I'm just thinking since, since uh, Return of the Jedi. Right, right. Yeah, so like, you know, even if he was in his early 30s at this point now, it's more like 35 years later, right? And so... Well, that's a hard life, not- being a guy with a vest running around. <laughs> it's a tough life. It ages you. So one of those things, you might see them in cameo roles, but I don't think these are the guys who are going to carry this picture um, right. or picture. Absolutely not. No, I mean, this is this is going to be that thing where you see, yeah, you see Luke Skywalker maybe, uh, you know, as an older gentleman and he's in a couple of scenes and people are like, ooh, and then you never, that's... It'll be like Leonard Nimoy in the, in the Star Trek. Exactly. Reboot, right? yeah. well, except, except maybe less, but... <laughs> maybe less. Yeah. yeah, hopefully they won't give him a long, confusing... Mark Hamill's not 80 yet, is he? No. No, no, he's, no Mark he's Hamill 60, is though, in right? his 60s. Carrie Fisher is 56, I believe, and Harrison Ford turned 70 this year. I looked it up earlier parts today. Of, parts of Hamill are younger, younger than 60, however. <laughs> so yeah, unfortunately, he hasn't aged terribly well thanks to reconstructive surgery at that point. Yeah, but I mean, let's just hope they act. don't go down the horrible path, which is they recreate them all as young holograms. Yeah, CGI versions. Yes. Oh, you know, that's, oh, that's a good question. But again, go ahead, Ben. I mean, well, the bigger question is how do we incorporate the Star Wars universe into the Disney princesses? <laughs> <franchise>? <laughs> 
There, there are princes. We so got Amadala uh, and got Princess Amadala. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're gonna have to fill that out a little bit. We'll have a little we'll have a little section for them in Tomorrowland. It's, it's gonna be a beautiful thing. I uh, well, there are already. I mean, Tomorrowland. You mean Star Wars dresses. Land? Yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not out of the realm of possibility. There's definitely a zillion little Minnie Mouse as Princess Leia toys already existing. My, my daughter's got Princess Leia toys that are made by the same, like this company that makes the dolls with the little rubber clothes. Have you seen these, Ren? You're the only person who might have seen these. They have little stretchy plastic rubber clothes. All the Disney mm-hmm. characters, Mulan, stuff like that. And they also make an entire Princess Leia set. I don't know if these are all yeah. illegal or whatever, but they're all like <laughs> the same type of toy. So already my daughter has in her princesses bin all the Disney princesses and Princess Leia and Queen Amidala all thrown in there. See, now this is something that made me laugh today is that is that in other circumstances, a deal like this would make people aghast because Disney – who they're they're you know they they're merchandising and licensing and everything they do and they bought this this independent company and they're going to ruin it it's like well no it's it's Star Wars it's not there's not going to be more licensing yeah. if there were ever a more perfect place for Star Wars the king of merchandising to they're going to commercialize Star Wars oh it's no, terrible the action figures of everything oh. <laughs> Two toy aisles will become three toy aisles. Yeah. I, I got to say, on a, on a tangential note, when I was listening to the call today, they talked a little bit about um, uh, video games, too, because among other things, they acquired LucasArts. Right. Um, and they were like, I heard them say we're going to focus more on like social and casual games. And I was kind of ready to swear at them for that because there are so many like but they, uh, they Star said, Wars video game properties have been totally botched over the last 10 years. Well, they said they were going to they were probably going to license out the console games and not because LucasArts well, doesn't I, have a strength in building console games. I think that's what they said. Yeah, yeah. they'll have well, other that's gaming good. studios do them probably. Yeah. Right. Um I'm just hoping I think just in general as John was saying earlier, I think the the net positive of this is just that you know, to a certain extent, Lucas was just keeping everything locked down in certain ways, right? And now there's a lot more freedom all of a sudden. And that freedom might be a bad thing, right? Because bad things can be done with it. But it also has the chance to be something positive. And we've seen what, you know, what the alternative is, which is we either get nothing or we get, you know, gigantic pieces of crap. So I'm certainly willing to see what Disney can do with it. Yeah. Well, one thing's for, it, one uh, thing's for certain, you're going to, you know, pay a lot of money. <laughs> well, you're going to do that anyway. To, get ready to just yes. fork it over. Yeah. Get ready to buy your Star Wars movies again, guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but again... I guess I'm going to have to go uh, see another movie at midnight. Star Wars fans are happy to, I mean, happy to do that, I think. Especially, I, I do think it's true that if they, if they did the super restored original classics, ultra expensive th- trilogy blu-ray thing they would sell a billion of them i you know and they could sell those for 500 dollars and they'd still make yeah. a killing yeah yeah and it wouldn't surprise me if they if they did that that but yeah there'll be more movies and people will go see them and i i'm I, i'm with john i feel like the bloom you know the bloom is off the rose or we lost our innocence with star wars with the prequels so now it's like all right you know more sure that's more tries i'm optimistic because we've hit rock bottom. I think that's probably true. And no, maybe worse movies. There will be worse movies. Eventually, eventually. But in, in this first, in this first set, I think it, it, I, I think there's a chance be they could be better. To it, right. Too. Yeah. Like they've got to know everyone knows, right? Like everybody, it's almost universal that, that, that people did not like these movies above a certain age. Sure. You know, and I, I think you've got to be sensitive to that fact. And you know, as they, as what was it, the guy who said on the financial call today, something about like, you're, you know, you're, you're going to anger the entire internet or something like yeah. that. Yeah. 
Um, no, and they're misreading I, it. Were we angry? No, we we're joyful, jubilant. It's like Scott Forstall losing. Oh, sorry, is that, that too <laughs> it's another podcast? But, but, but my but my point being, you know, I think they know that there's an incredible amount of sensitivity, and I think enough fun has been made of those, you know, of one, two, and three that they know they don't want to go down that road. So I think, you know, if they're smart and I think whatever else you might say about them, they're, they're clearly savvy business people. Yeah. Uh, I think they're going to think about that, you know, when they're, when they're looking at how to put this together. This is a $4 billion investment for Disney. I think they're really financially motivated to make their money back and they know that making a good product is what's going to do it. And, and, you know, I'm encouraged by the fact that, you know, Disney buying Marvel, we can argue about the quality of specific Marvel movies, but that they seem to have had some success and some creative success. You know, we can argue about the scope. And then Disney buying Pixar is another interesting example, and they brought them both up in the call today, that where Disney is making these kind of strategic investments in in companies that have skills or intellectual property, that it's fascinating to see that. And, and you know, they, you don't buy Star Wars for $4 billion. And, you know, Fox has the distribution rights for the old movies. This is really about the future. This is about Disney saying that Star Wars is, uh, you know, has a future and it's worth $4 billion. So, oh, by the way, the Muppets also are owned by Disney now. So finally, all Muppets and other Muppet-like puppets are under one roof. Yoda and Grover can now appear together. Not Boy, I don't want to see that execution special. Room. No, I didn't. I, I put a link in the Skype chat room and in the in the IRC chat room. It's a link to the uh, one of the old trailers from from 2010 for the Old Republic. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, game. that game turned out great. Right. So I'm ignoring the games entirely and just saying the people <laughs> who put together the cutscenes to tease the Old Republic. Let those guys make a movie because they they have the, the you know these are God all knows they couldn't scenes. make a game. <laughs> I'm just saying well, they like, just made the cutscenes. These, these cutscenes hint hint at a like you're like I'd like to see the movie that this cutscene is pulled from. Maybe you wouldn't like to play the game the cutscene is pulled from, but they have the look the feel of a non George Lucas Star Wars that I would be interested in watching. It's mm. kind of like the the Battlestar Galactica reboot where it's like a little bit grittier, more interesting, and you know not too. Uh, not too obsessed with uh, fetishizing the things that were good about the 70s series or whatever. Like that, when I think of a, a good future of Star Wars, I think of these video game trailers. And, and I'm worried a little bit about. So the point at which I gave up reading most of the extended universe stuff was they started this huge sort of push to do this. What was it called? Like the New Jedi Order, which is this yep. huge sort of overarching storyline that they did in the books for a while. Um, and well, it's the it's the it was a terrible, of, terrible storyline because it basically turned Star Wars into Star Trek. Like there are these aliens invading from another universe and they were coming to fight the Jedi. And, I, you know, I was sitting there going, this is this is not this is not what's interesting about Star Wars, you know. And um, also they killed off a fairly major character in the first book of that series, at which point I literally stopped reading about 20 pages from the end after they killed a character, put it down and then did not touch a Star Wars book for many, many years. <laughs> I was that angry. Wow. Um, but it's, it's so, a, I mean, to the point that, that um, somebody made in the chat room, and I think it's George Lucas made on, on uh, in the little video they released on, on StarWars.com, it's a big universe, right? I mean, these oh, absolutely. seven, eight, nine may be the continuation of the classic trilogy, but, you know, it, it, the, there's there a million is the, stories in the Naked I City. Would be exactly. Happy to go elsewhere. Right? Elsewhere and elsewhere in that time period and tell other interesting stories using that universe, oh, right? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that was what always intrigued me about the possibility of a Star Wars TV show that took place sort of, you know, more in the seedy underbelly or something of Star Wars. Like, oh, man, that sounds cool. I would watch that. Bounty Hunter Land. If there's a bright center of the universe, this TV series is farthest from. (laughs) I mangled that one, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I know. I got you. Um, as long yeah. as we don't have another. So, someone in the special. chat room suggesting Rogue Squadron movies. I would watch that. That would be awesome. Oh I want, man, yeah. I want I'm a sucker for anything with with X wings. I want Tashi Station. That's what I want. <laughs> it's, it's like Cheers. It's, it's like Dallas. The cantina, <laughs> the cantina, like Cheers. Yeah, except and there's people there and they're carrying power converters around and they're like, man, you can't get any better places for power converters than Tashi Station. <laughs> yeah. See oh, what I want? I want I want a romance. I want it oh. called Hold Me Like You Did on Naboo. <gasps> and I want it. And I want it yesterday. No. And then I want to kill. First scene of episode seven. The prequels were a dream. Anakin wakes up in bed, sweating. A terrible, <laughs> terrible dream. Wait. So That's the right. the beginning of seven is the end of New Heart. Yes. No. I was thinking saying elsewhere. Maybe it's like autistic kid. Uh, George Lucas is looking into a snow globe. <laughs> we zoom back. And Actually, the whole planet of Naboo is in the snow globe. The first scene is the glowy ghost of Yoda, who hasn't aged because he's a puppet. Uh, speaking to young Jedi children around a, a campfire and says, and and that story, which I've just told you, which was roughly the length of three movies, true is not. And then they're like, <laughs> oh, oh, what a relief. I thought that was really bad. And then yeah. they begin the movie, begin the fanfare. Yep. That won't be the Yoda, Fox fanfare. Begin, yeah, that's right. Yoda begins with a psych. Yeah, yeah. True is not. And then they don't play the 20th Century Fox fanfare because all future movies will be distributed uh, by Disney. When you wish upon a star instead. I think that's appropriate. What about the music? When you wish upon upon a Star Wars, Dan. (laughs) That's the title. That's the title. title. John Williams did When You Wish Upon a Star. He did it in uh, Close Encounters. So there you go. Just put them together. We'll, we'll, we'll just reuse. We'll just use old William scores. It'll be great. <laughs> uh, I, I, Disney bought Indiana Jones too, but they've got a multi-film deal with uh, Paramount for those. So it's unclear what that means too. They really bought it for Star Wars. That's what Iger said today. Was we really? This is for Star Wars. Not 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 Howard the Duck. There's no not value Willow, in anything else. Not Willow. Not Dark Crystal. What about, no, uh, I mean, all those all those movies will get made at some point. You gotta, sure. you gotta know, right? Like they're bought IP. You know, they're gonna use it at some point because well, it's, it's way easier. Movie studios have been IP for many years. Yeah. It'll be a long time before they reboot. Like you know, Indiana Jones, <laughs> Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. I will take that. I will take that. How, Marvel's Howard the Duck really ruined. Was really like the end of my innocence. Howard the Duck was. <laughs> <laughs> You've spoken about Leah Thompson's career on this very podcast before. I have. Yeah, but, that but, that film really kind of kind of twisted me. Well, that was a Marvel property too. So now Howard the Duck's yeah. film and comic book properties are back under one synergy. Roof. Jason, synergy. Finally, finally. Oh, at long last. That, you know that could be the real story here. <laughs> Howard the, Howard Duck re- reunification theory. Yeah, that could be it. That could be a dark, gritty Howard the Duck. It's coming. Marvel's Howard the Howard the Duck will God, be appearing so. in in Marvel's. Uh, uh, oh. Uh, next movie what's the one with rocket raccoon it'll be it'll be guardians guardians of the galaxy Galaxy. it'll be rocket raccoon and howard the duck yeah why not why not i'm with you wow so uh what have we learned (laughs) nothing we just speculated wildly for the last nothing is worse than george lucas even uncertainty 
Yeah, well, no, that so that's exactly right. That that e- the great mystery of the future and what's going to happen in Star Wars, it's still one of those moments of kind of giddiness of maybe something good will happen to Star Wars because I think there's a general feeling that it has been a dark time for the Empire. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I got yeah. nothing. Yeah. Twenty fifteen. My great regret is that they couldn't have handed Lucas his four billion in Ocean City, New Jersey yesterday. <laughs> is that too soon? Maybe. That may be wrong. But I was picturing uh, more but on I'm, the tail end of a battleship. Yeah, it's, something yeah. Just, I, I was imagining a scene like, you know, from Goodfellas where where Jimmy Conway is telling Karen to go into the to, into the warehouse to just, get the mink coats. Just, just go back. Just go further. Just, just, just go, go down, down there. there. That's where your money is. Just, just go down there. Just go. Just go down there. It's okay. Just go ahead. See, I thought you were going with the other one, which is they usher George Lucas into the room. There's a picture of him signing with Rob Iger, <laughs> signing the signing the papers, and they're like, "Come on in here to sign the papers." And he goes, "Oh no! Oh no!" <laughs> Now, see, I, I think yeah. he deserves props for giving it up before he dies. Like, I agree. For not sitting on it, for not for not like saying I've got to hold on to this thing because that's been his big thing, and that's a stupid, stupid lesson from the oh, don't hold on to good it. news, guys. Anyway. Whatever. He's taking Disney's stupid putting lesson. Uh, Disney's putting on. George Lucas back in the vault. I think I think Kathleen Kennedy or whoever else is sort of like in control, uh, and she was made the chairman because he wanted to retire or, or co-chair of of Lucas Arts or Lucasfilm. I think I think somebody, and maybe it was her, said. George, this is this this franchise is huge. Maybe it was Bob Iger. I don't know. This franchise is huge. It has it has a life in the future, and you need to either decide to be part of it or you need to just let it go. And and somebody kind of talked, which I never thought would happen. Somebody talked sense into George Lucas and said, "Let this go. Get take Sean your, Connery. He take, said, "Let it go, son." <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I think I think Lucas had this in the works for a couple of years. I, I oh, really oh, yes. do think he was. Well, I'm like I. Th- I think he he just got to a point where he was tired, and didn't want to deal with the fan hatred, and didn't want to deal with the weight of having to you know produce and deal with Star Wars anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, but to his yeah. credit, he didn't sit on it, right? He said, "I'm going to let this go and 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 let somebody else do it and let this thing live on beyond me." When he could have been kind of miserly and said, "No, no, no, no." If I don't do it, nobody does it. And George, I, I, what can we do to get you to walk out of here today with four billion dollars in your pocket? That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four yeah. Instagrams. And we should say that Kathleen Kennedy has a very impressive resume behind her. You know, yes. we're talking about the woman who executive produced Raiders and ET and Jurassic Park. I mean, she's she's um, Frank Marshall's wife, I believe, and she co-founded Amblin. Yeah. So I mean, she. She has some credentials, and Lucasfilm is not being left in the hands of question mark. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like yeah, John that, said. That, that heartens me. That and the fact that they, again, as you said, you can uh, many of the Marvel movies were not good, but they sure put a ton of money into those movies. You cannot say that, they, that Disney cheaped out and didn't, you know, didn't have the courage of their convictions. They just put a ton of money into all those movies you know, the Avengers alone was like 150 yeah. million. Like, and they made so, their money back. You know, they made a lot, and, but, and, and it was exactly a viable well, they business. Didn't make it back after, like you know, all the other ones. But eventually, no, 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 like, they, they did. 
I think well, I, I think every single one of those movies was was a financial Thor made success. Its money back, I oh guess. yeah, yeah, I think oh, so. Oh yeah, no, you know yeah, what? They did. They did, they did good they business not, on those. Yeah, yeah. Whatever they don't make back on the box office receipts, they will make in licensing and in manufacturing. Well, and, I mean that's part of the prop, part of the reason for having these properties. Yeah, yeah, and the the um the success of the Avengers also then has this back. Uh, this backward glow on the other movies because then people like the Avengers and everybody wants to go see all the other movies and suddenly instead of having a movie that's successful you've got like a a five movie box set that is everybody needs to watch before they watch it and honestly my kids and I watched all those movies because I knew they you know I had seen the Avengers in the theater I knew I wanted to show it to them and we went back and I mean it's it works it's actually kind of it's brilliant so uh, you know Disney is going to do that they're going to put they're going to they're going to take care of the franchise cuz they spent 4 billion on it and they they wanted to do well which is I that's just hope good. I don't have to sit through the bad movies first. Put the Avengers one first. But 200 million dollars in right, right hands. <laughs> you don't want you don't want Thor. Yeah. Well, I think by saying explicitly that it's episode 7 that's what they're saying is they're they're not they're not going to do like a half-hearted like well, we're going to do the Boba Fett movie now. Maybe yeah. we'll extend that. And they're like, no, episode seven, it comes after Return of the Jedi. We're doing a new trilogy and it starts in 2015. That's kind of bold. I mean, they're not they're not halfway doing it. That That's kind of amazing. That's that was really the one thing that blew me away about today is that is that they're, yeah, they're not they they're soft peddling it. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like, boom, new trilogy every couple of years starts in 2015. Wow. Wow. See if they can hit those dates, of course. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's they got some time. They probably built in some wiggle room there, but yeah, they got They got to get actors, a director, a script. Uh, like just I, I, as far as we know, they don't have any of those things yet. It seems like they would have announced. They have. They had, I mean, they have. Yes, they, 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 they need the a blue together in a, a year green and a half. screen in a garage, <laughs> guys. They, I mean, they've <laughs> already a couple got the, of no names from Hoboken. Nah, this they get this done and they'll get this That's done in three months. Cast the prequels, right? Yeah. I mean, if you look at Marvel, Marvel Entertainment has. I mean, what they've done with the Marvel movies in the past what five or six years? They've put those out on an aggressive year and a half, two year schedule. And not all of them have been fantastic, but clearly Disney can, you know, rifle up uh, who they need. They've already got the script. I mailed it in this afternoon. Right. Yeah. Everyone start writing your spec scripts now. What color, like, was, it, it, what color like was the crayon? I haven't had one in the drawer for 20 years. What color it, was the crayon, Dan? It, it, it'll, it, it'll, be, it'll write <laughs> itself. It'll be beautiful. It, it'll be spontaneous. It's going to be great. It's going to be. I, I can't wait for it. it I, improvised. You know, yeah, it's just you know, and then you know they'll, they'll they'll do principal photography in about a week and a half, and then they'll spend three years on uh, special effects, and it'll come out and it's going to be wonderful, and yeah, everyone's going to love it. Give it to the old Republic trailer cutscene people, all CG. Yeah. You don't need actors; you just need a script and a bunch exactly. of guys with computers. No, it'll also, be Robert Mark Robert Hamill's Zemeckis. Rated voices, by the way. Yeah, Robert Zemeckis will do it, uh, and everybody will have those creepy dead eyes from oh, no, Polar please, Express. No. It's uh, not going to happen. Uh, what do we think about? Uh, I, I know this is silly, and we should just debunk it. But it's worth talking about the uh, the idea that now uh, that Disney has bought them, that opens the door for Star Wars to touch in any way with Pixar. I mean, mm-hmm. Marvel doesn't, doesn't touch with Pixar. That's the counter example. No, I, I, the thing I Marvel, the thing I see right? is. I see less of it being used like, hey, Pixar is going to make a Star Wars movie, but I would be amused to see something like a Toy Story short that had Star Wars toys in it. 
or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I could see that, you know, something like they just did this, uh, the Wreck-It Ralph movie, right? Where they have all the video game characters and they actually right. got all the licensed video characters. Well, now they own the Star Wars characters, so now it's a lot yeah. easier to do but things Pixar that just reference that. Pixar wants its own IP, and like I mean, yeah. Yeah, you don't see a Captain American <coughs> Pixar movie like they have the Incredibles. No, I, I don't think know. they. I don't think no. they'll do one necessarily, but I think I think it would be it would be cool if they did. I well, wouldn't be surprised to see Disney Animation do some sort of shorts, maybe an animated series, uh, but probably not Pixar. Well, but isn't I mean, who's doing? Who's producing the Clone Wars stuff? Right? Who is that? That's WB. It, so so it's an outside studio. Well, that what'll happen is that that stuff's going to get brought inside, and maybe that maybe maybe the Star Wars animated stuff goes to Walt you know Walt Disney Animation. But in well, that they it, said it was they they talked about the Disney XD network that they're showing the right, Tron right. animated series on. They mentioned that being a one possible outlet. So yeah, so Cartoon Network may lose all of this eventually because they're because of the corporate synergy, right? But but that'll be interesting because you know even if that's not Pixar making a Star Wars movie, if it's John Lasseter and kind of the Pixar method being turned on to Star Wars animated properties that could be interesting. Um, it would be, yeah, it would be really funny if Pixar were to do something like that, but it doesn't seem like that makes any sense at all. So, right? They, they okay. want to build their own things. Yep, I don't, I don't see any any touching there at all, except for no like Dan said, maybe, maybe a short, but it, like I would be more, more likely, I think you'd just see like r head in the background of uh, Toy Story 4 or whatever. Right. Sure. Why not? Right next to Spider-Man. Yeah, although, once again, getting back to the video game trailer, they can just stare at it. I always wanted Pixar to do something outside their comfort zone. A rated R, photorealistically animated Star Wars universe story. I'm just saying. Wow. You might die if that happened. You might just, <laughs> we can you might just dream. pass out. You might just have a stroke in the theater. Uh, can you imagine? $200 million, rated R, Pixar, Star Wars, photorealistic people. Can you imagine that happening? I can imagine that happening. Uh, yeah. I can imagine you imagining that happening. <laughs> yeah, I can too. <laughs> like, we'll all be I, dead. Now, has there Great. ever been a rated R animated movie besides like Fritz the Cat? Heavy Metal? Oh. Heavy Metal, I guess. Yeah, Fritz the Cat. That's like... That's, that's Was Cool World right. rated R? <laughs> oh, man. No, I don't think so. Oh, there's the Animatrix that wasn't released as you know. It's a yeah. short thing, but that would have been rated R if it was actually yeah. made into a full length movie. Right. And I, I like that. I like terrible Final Fantasy movie. It was really bad. That was not rated R. It was, it was rated terrible. Yeah. It was rated terrible. It was. So, uh, any other any other comments before we go about this moment? Jason, they're day? making new Star Wars movies. I, I don't. Be- I still don't believe it. It's not <laughs> true. I, I still think I'm kidding myself. It's not I don't true. Really understand what's I'm happening. gonna wake up tomorrow. It'll be a joke. Episode seven is not a. I saw it on business. Once I saw it on Business Wire, I was like, "Okay, Business Wire probably didn't get punked." <laughs> and then I went to the probably. Walt Disney site, and they said, "We'll have our teleconference about buying Lucas." <laughs> what? Oh, it's crazy. Once, once I tweeted, Jason, it's true. If you'd just been following more closely your Twitter stream, you would have known. Oh, so I, I, I think I, I might have never, seen it. Would I ever tweet that if it wasn't true? I I would triple check. John, I only so- John, I only listen to your barber. Uh, John, <laughs> yeah. John, I think. I think I saw it before you tweeted about it. And the, the, the tweet, there was the first, there was the tweet, which was, whoa, Disney bought Lucasfilm. 
And then then there was a tweet from Reuters, I think, that was episode yeah. seven in 2015. I'm like, what? Up. No, this is. And it wasn't a real retweet. It was a, it was a non-native retweet in my stream from somebody. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's that's a complete fakery. And then I went and I found the press release and it says it in there. And I thought, OK, this site may be a fake site. Let's find a real site that has this press release. <laughs> Business Wire That's has a journalism too? right there. Oh my God, that was I. I, I, I brought all my skepticism to bear, and this is it. Turned out is if it's a prank now, Bob, Bob Iger and George Lucas are in on it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's been a weird week, guys. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, very it's not strange. over yet. 2015 is pretty far off, though. I mean, they're going to have hoverboards by that point. Totally sure. Yeah, they better flying cars too. You know, twenty fifteen. Well, my daughter, my daughter will. My, well, my daughter will be seven years old in twenty fifteen. I think it might be okay to expose her to episode seven, <laughs> but my, we'll see. My daughter will I'm, be I'm, fourteen. Oh man, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to vet it. We're all gonna have to vet it. Yeah, if it's PG thirteen, yeah. she'll be like, whatever. I'm fourteen. I mean, yeah. Wow. Man, what's the? Uh, I'm waiting for the impomp- the incomparable podcast on Star Wars Episode Seven, where Syracuse and I sit around for two hours and go, "Yeah, well, that was be, terrible." Uh, that'll be Episode Four Hundred and Twenty Three. So stay tuned. That'll for be that. something. Yeah, that'll, that'll be, be good. Something. All right. Well, we are. Our minds are still blown. We are still reeling. Uh, more Star Wars coming. Uh, we'll see. It could. I don't want to say it couldn't get any worse because then somebody will play that back to me in 2015 and be, ha! It did get worse, but probably not. So, yeah, it won't feel worse. Put it this way, Jason: the movies could get worse, but it will never feel worse. It will never going to get. We're all going to get like taken over by aliens, anyways, and yeah. you know, it'll all, everything. Will apocalypse be. will happen before that. The true, precisely. The truth is, John, you're right. I it may be worse, but I will never be more disappointed. Right? That's right. Can't be Definitely. more disappointed. So there's that. Yay. Yeah, I've already point, ex- experienced you know. the most extreme disappointment possible. And it's all peak Star Wars out. disappointment was achieved in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's our Flash podcast about the future of Star Wars. I'd like to thank my guest, Dan Morin. Thank you for being here. May the force be with you, Jason. Uh, always and always Sometimes. really does mean always through 2015 and then every two years <laughs> after that. John Syracuse, every two years forever we'll be talking about new star wars now won't that be great when seven episodes you reach look as good you will not (laughs) (laughs) serenity caldwell hiding from the man with the chainsaw who's trying to kill her uh or cut down a tree that was felled by a hurricane thank you for being here uh you know when you wish upon a star wars sometimes good things happen sometimes only when the, you face the power of the dark side is it a problem ben boychuk thank you for being here as well Stinking Jar Jar Binks. No, we're never going to speak of him. He, he's going to his corpse. Right. His corpse. He's dead. His corpse they, will be if in they, the... If they put a bullet in him, then then all will be well. All is forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And for everybody at The Incomparable, this is Jason Snell signing off. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.